0: Good morning. Our reading this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anatot in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and plant. The word of the Lord came to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again, what do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting towards us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgment on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. hasn't it? We're looking forward to hearing from you.
1: Thank you so much, Margaret. And so called for that beautiful reading of God's word. I mean, Margaret says it's exciting weekend. I walked in and for the first time in my life, they had to open for me the door. And that's, you can just tell how my good friend, David Harrison is so cheeky. Because he said, well, now you are an official pastor. I said, how do you know? Well, the photo is on the screen. I'm like, oh, who did that? <laughs> said, blame Clayton. And uh, I tried to blame Clayton. Clayton said, blame Emily. <laughs> <laughs> so that was yesterday. And um, the news, you already had it uh, a few weeks ago in the newsletter so once again we give thanks to god and um, praise him and thank you all for uh, your prayers and all this time for three years to come to this so that was me being given uh, the official certificate that now you are fully cooked baptist uh, pastor <laughs> uh. so i got not only this exciting news but i got uh, Two more exciting news. And uh, the first one is what is coming on the screen. You recognize that? Yeah. So some of you have been asking, what? Is that our Nicole? Yes, she is the one. You know, engagement with Steward and delighted for them. And we can't wait. I won't tell you when the wedding is, though. That's secret. That's what the pastors get to know sometimes. So, congratulations again to Nicole and Steward. And if you find Nicole somewhere in the corridor, then you can just give her a hug if you can. So, please, do so. (laughs) So, the second exciting news I have... It's the most exciting one because uh, God who loves us so much speaks to us. And I don't know where you are in your life now and where uh, you are on your journey. But I got this, I'm excited because God speaks to us and I believe even this morning he has already been speaking to us already and he's gonna continue to speak to us as I bring by his grace this word to us join him in prayer let's pray You are here because when two or three are gathered in your name, O our heavenly Father, you promise that you will be among us. And so, would you continue to speak? We are like a little Samuel. Speak, O oh Lord, your servants are listening. Help me to deliver faithfully what you have communicated to me by the power of your Spirit. All for your glory and our well being. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we got all the Google Maps on our phones and um, some had already the map which you can, you, you'd, you'd buy from um, either supermarket or somewhere. But for me who lived in the village where uh, I could not get hold of a map, so I have to confess that many a time uh, I was lost. In fact, for the first time when I arrived in the capital, having lived all my life in the village, the capital was so massive, and I started walking, and I arrived at a a junction which is called a, a crossroad, and I'm thinking, where to go? The series we are about to start is uh, taken from uh, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And you can see a few words and a picture on the screen. And I want to read those words. Because uh, the title of this uh, series, Ancient Path, uh, it's it's where uh, the Lord, through Jeremiah... Picture travelers who are lost or who have lost their way. And so he says to them, stand at the crossroad and look. Consider all the options that are available to you. Begin to see, assess your current situations. This is a decision time. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. I don't know whether in your relationship or in your career Or even thinking when or when not to get children. Whatever it is. But also us as, as a church. Maybe and just a maybe. We are at a crossroad. There are so many paths available for us. And direction we can go. But the Lord is saying ask for the ancient path ask where the good way is and walk in it and a bit also at the end there and you will find rest for your souls it is a critical moment that uh, Jeremiah picture being used by the Lord to say this is critical for your in your life by the way as we move through Jeremiah the times when these words came to them were critical times on the surface there was a political unrest and people did not know exactly what to do. Times were difficult for them. But then he said to them, in these difficult times, although on the surface it's like a political unrest with all the nation around you and even yourself, but the pressing issue is the issue of the soul. That only on the surface, but underneath is the issue of the soul. If the right path is chosen and is taken and you walk in it, then life and the rest are promised to you. As I've been reading Jeremiah and been praying about this series, I came across a a book that was written in the 19th century by this guy who's coming on the screen. I don't know how, maybe that's how he looked like in that time, but this is how they picture him. John Charles Ryle. This guy was, uh, um, even now, known known as uh, one of the greatest and most influential Anglican evangelical of all times. He wrote this book, which I have here, "All the Path." Now, it has nothing to do with Jeremiah. Because what he wrote here, he was living in a a time when the tide in the Christianity has been going towards liberalism. And he was standing to say, I stand against the tide. And I want the people to stick to the truth of Christianity. So he deals with uh, critical issues. But the principles or the thought he expressed in this book are relevant to our series that we start today. Because in this book, uh, he told his readers, number one, to expect uh, no new teaching by the way, as the book itself, old. So don't expect no new teaching. Expect no new doctrines. But only old the path which the apostolic Christians, reformers, best preachers, and best evangelicals have persistently walked. And he goes on to say, these old paths are often sneered at ridiculed, as old-fashioned, ineffectual, worn out, powerless in the 19th century. So you can see, already in the 19th century, there's a skepticism to stick to the truth. But he went on to say, these are imperatives and essentials really needed for a really inward effect on our heart, but also outward effect on our lives. And then he says, because the longer I live, the more I am convinced that the world needs no new gospel, as some profess to think. I am thoroughly persuaded that the world needs nothing but a bold, full, and flinching teaching of the old path. Because the heart of man or a woman is the same in every age. And the spiritual medicines which it requires is always the same and caught. So my dear friend, meet you as your friend in a couple of days God willing I'll turn 57. I entered the ministry when I was 25. So you can do the math. Almost roughly 30 years in ministry I echo these words of Charles and say, having served in Congo, having served in Kenya, having served in various places in Scotland, and had the privilege to preach at places even in Europe or and and America, I heartily echoed that the world needs no new gospel. All that we need is to stick to the ancient path. That's the real medicine, spiritual medicine we need. That will have effect on our heart, but also outward effect on our lives in every sector of our society so like charles expect in this first six chapters as we will be unpacking them god willing expect no new teaching but only ancient path As I've been praying and studied these first six chapters, I've, I've, I've identified, at least it's not an ex- exhausted list, but at least four ancient paths. And as you may look at the preaching schedule, you will see that there is a path of realization, a path of repentance, a path of reverent fear and a path of a close walk with God. Each one of them leading to finding rest for our souls or finding peace and harmony with God, peace and harmony with one another Peace and harmony within ourselves. Peace and harmony with those around us. Let me again say, the battle in these days we are living in, where we are surrounded with a thick fog of confusion, the battle is the battle of our souls, friends. That is the most significant. So when you will be hearing all these judgment, a language that is becoming, uh, it's, it's Old Testament, so much judgment, so much war. Put that in your back of your mind that uh, this is a battle about the souls. It's not uh, just the Lord coming in his anger, but he really loves us. By the way, I was asking serious question. What 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 is the number one issue in Saint Andrews at the moment, in terms of uh, if I was to gather all the doctors and the psychists and all, what would be the number one health issues in our town? Think about it. But someone said mental health is number one in Saint Andrews. That's alarming. Now, I'm not saying that mental health is only due to spiritual life, because it's a complex thing. It has to do with, uh, you know, both uh, physical, emotional, social, um, whatever goes on, but it's also part of the spiritual, which we cannot deny. What would be the number one issue in Scotland at the moment? Problem. Is it drug? What is is it? But I will suggest that the number one problem is the battle that we are facing is the battle of souls so that our souls can find rest with God within ourselves with one another, but also the people around us. Even in the midst of abundance or in the midst of struggle, of lack of what to meet the cost of living. Much of the stuff that is in these first six chapters of Jeremiah, which are called like sermons of Jeremiah, are dated to our what is called a, a time of re- reformation under the king Josiah. That chapter one, as we have read that that uh, this uh, Jeremiah, the word of God, verse two, came to me in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah. Josiah at that time was embarking in bringing reformation to the nation. He stood as the last good king of Judah. And when the reformation was on the full swing, that's where Jeremiah entered into ministry. And Jeremiah admired Josiah in his reform, but quickly discovered that the reformation that is being was going on was good, but not deep enough. Everything was superficial, but also he foresaw that everything was temporal. This reformation, if you read other passages in the Bible, particularly in Second Chronicle chapter 34. The reformation that Josiah embarked gained the momentum when they discovered the book of the law that was in the temple, in other words, lost in the temple. Now, I don't want to go into more detail, but think about it. Sadly, for many years, because before Josiah, there was a, 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 a very nasty king who reigned at least for 52 years. Manasseh. And uh, can you imagine all that time and even before that, uh, the nation lived without uh, the law, without the Bible, without the word of God. The nation had been completely without the word of God and as a consequences had sunk very low. But when the word of God was discovered, it was a time of, uh, there is hope for a change here. Yesterday at Canopy, I wish this guy is the one who was preaching here this morning. He came from Edinburgh. Super. And he started by telling us uh, all the invention that came out from Scotland. And he listed, he listed, he listed, he listed, he listed, I'm like, whoa! And then he said, but we see, we Scottish, we are not putting ourselves like that. We are too much dual. And I thought, oh wow, okay, I'm learning something here. But then he went on to say, when the BBC did whatever research, and they realized that most of the invention are linked with the Reformation. So it is the Reformation with all the Johnny Knox, the Calvin, that brought that oof in our nation for creativity, and even the school a part of the Reformation. And once upon a time, Scotland education was the best. I don't know what it is like I'm not going there. I'm not a politician.. The discovery of the Word of God. So as we'll be looking at these four, I've identified all the paths. So back again to our passage there of Jeremiah 6. As we'll be looking at that, ask for the ancient path. Those ancient paths, my friends, at the heart, at the root, is a call to go back to the written. As far as the text is concerned, to the written, to the known, to the revealed covenant, the word of God in the book of the law. In other words, at the heart of this, is all about going back to the word of God. I will put it perhaps to say, like that organization when I was in the Congo gave me some money to do my studies in divinity. I don't know I've never met them. They are in America and they call them themselves back to the Bible. I called to go back to the Bible. Now for Jeremiah as we introduce this for 40 years in of his ministry he repeatedly earnestly, boldly made a call to God's people to go back to the word of God. The word is prominent in this chapter one we are starting. I just want to walk with you quickly through a few things. Jeremiah had words. Look at verse one. The words... Of Jeremiah we can just stop there when you go to the end of the book before you can pick up chapter 52 which is I want to go all the analysis which is like an appendix but when you come to the end of the verse of chapter 51 64 you'll see again the word of Jeremiah which means the whole book is sandwiched with the words of Jeremiah. But eh, these words of Jeremiah are constituted of the word of God. Follow me in this. The words of Jeremiah, when we think of the words of Jeremiah, actually, they are the words of the Lord in Jeremiah. And this this Lord is the Lord who had sovereign intent. What he wanted to achieve in his people, he will do that. In other words, whatever Jeremiah said, thought, and felt, because sometimes Jeremiah will act. You know, he will weep. He will be asked not to marry, I mean, he just want to fall in love with a young woman, but no, 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 no. So all that, even his suffering there, is part of the word of the Lord. Speaking to the people. So what we are seeing here is the word of God is already central in this place. I wish I could go with you through all the other details. But let me say Every single passage in Jeremiah, you'll find the word of God spread out in Jeremiah. And when you study the book of Jeremiah, you will find that no other book in the Old Testament uses more the language of the word and the word of God. Only him. More than even Deuteronomy. More than Isaiah, the word of God, the word of God is central there, and even the what is called the oracles, oracle, yeah, that's the word oracles of God. When the God the Lord speaks, this is more in Jeremiah than in any other. And so, the battle you find in Jeremiah is the battle between the word of God. Or the will of God and the word of people and the will of people. God is speaking, but the people do not want something of the God. That's what you see there. To put it uh, simply, whenever Jeremiah spoke, it is the Lord that they were hearing. Hearing Jeremiah. People were hearing God. But how do they respond? Uh, Let me walk with you through um, probably three or four things quickly. Number one, sadly, their attitude, their response to the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, that word fell on deaf ears. They did not listen. Can you imagine? For 40 years. I come back to that. Look at chapter 6, verse 10. Walk with me through a few verses. Jeremiah protested to the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 10. To whom can I speak and give a warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so that they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. The people find no pleasure in the word of God. It's becoming offensive. The same you find in chapter, in in the same uh, you find in verse 17 and verse 19 of uh, uh, the same chapter there, chapter 6. The same you find in chapter 20 when Jeremiah um, is becoming anxious and uh, That causes him a lot of anxiety because people are not listening. But again, he could not stop speaking because it is not his word. It is the word of the Lord. I look at Jeremiah 25 from verse 3 to verse 4. Halfway of his ministry, he has been preaching to them for 23 years. And the Bible tells us there in chapter 25, verse 3 and 4. For, 20, for 23 years, sorry, from 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this day, the word of the Lord came to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you did not listen. And then you find the comfort that not only him, but even his predecessor as well were not being listened to. It reminded me of what we read in the New Testament, the followers of Jesus, and we are followers of Jesus. In John chapter 6, the followers of Jesus, many of them started following Jesus, but Jesus began to give them hard teaching, and many left. The reason is because they were offended. Let me ask you, is the word of God offending you? Is the word of God offending me? The word of God should offend us. In a way to bring us life. Am I finding pleasure in the word of God? Or am I finding pleasure in something else? Is in our nation, people are finding pleasure in the word of God? In our church, where is our pleasure found? It reminded me of what Paul said to Timothy in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, that in the last days people will be not good or not up for sound doctrine, but they will go toward itching their ears. Now, if you had some malaise in your ear, you know, you will be itching it and try to turn it to whatever direction you might find some temporary relief. That's what is in our days as well. Many people want to go anywhere so that they can find a temporary list because sometimes this hard word is hard. Am I listening? Or am I just like these people? Do not listen. But friends, it's only by hearing that faith comes in. Read for yourself Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It fall on deaf ears. Number two, as Jeremiah spoke, or as the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, the attitude of people towards the word of God is also a defiance rejection. The people rejected the word of God defiantly. And come with me to chapter 36, verse 19 to verse 24. You can read it for yourself. We are told there, when call read, you have seen that there is a king in chapter 1, there's at least three kings there. But actually, Jeremiah ministered under five kings. And one of these kings is, how did you read that call? Joachim? Joachim. I read, I'm like, oh. I'm glad I learned that from Cole, because for me, I was just to say, Jehoiakim. Thank you, Cole. Jehoiakim there, if you read that passage, in fact, in the NIV, it says, Jehoiakim burns Jeremiah's scroll. That chapter gives us an indication how we got our Bible. But actually, when Baruch, who was the secretary or the one really who wrote these words of Jeremiah, was now taken to uh, this king in order to read the word of uh, the Lord that Jeremiah has been speaking. <laughs> My goodness, look at, at verse, let me start from uh, verse 23 of, uh, of, uh, of chapter 36. Whenever Jehu, who is one of his officials, Read three or four columns of the scroll. The scroll contained the words of Jeremiah or the words of the Lord. The king cut them off with a scribe knife and threw them into the brazier until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. Verse 24. The king and all his attendants who heard all the words showed no fear. Nor did they tear their clothes. Defiance rejection of God's word. <laughs> this king has heard Jeremiah speak many a times. Loud and clear. And even in this time when the Lord is speaking to this king. Through what I can call a fresh accent. Because it is uh, Baruch was written, and then someone is reading, even there the king doesn't listen. He rejects. What are some of the fresh accents you are hearing God speaking to you? Not the accent of a Congolese like me, but I'm, I'm thinking some fresh accent in your community or in your own life. I'm thinking, this is fresh. But are you listening? Am I listening? Seven years later, another king came to power, but the same old story. He did not learn anything from the previous king, and when you read that chapter 36, See what happened, the consequences, what was pronounced to this king. But in chapter 37, another king now comes. This king, his name is Zedekiah. And again in verse 2, we are told, chapter 37, neither he nor his attendant nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words of the Lord had spoken through Jeremiah the prophet. Even him as well doesn't want to hear the word of God. it, it saddened me. And perhaps uh, we don't see these uh, ways of cutting the Bible. In my life, I've seen someone really tearing the piece of the Bible. And rolling it with his cigar. And uh, I've seen that in my life. And it just pierced my heart. But even if it's not that level, maybe there are some other polite way people these days are just uh, continuing to reject the word of God. But nonetheless, defiant. The contrast between these two kings with their father, interesting, when uh, just when. Uh, Whole red. Did you see that there was a, uh, everyone is linked to Josiah, 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 even the other kings. That's already a contrast there saying this king should have acted the way Josiah acted. Because when you read Josiah, if you read the second chronicle, Josiah, when he heard the word that has been discovered, he tore his robe and wept before the Lord. The word touched him. But this king, they never did that. Josiah humbled himself and wept. And he did everything that the word of God was commanding him to do, even when it was costly. When was the last time did you weep? When the word of God was not obeyed, either in your own life, Or in the life of the people around us. As the Bible tells us. Streams of tears flow from my eyes. For your law is not obeyed. But let me bring this soon to a conclusion. There is another group. Thankfully. They revered the word of the Lord. And this is back again to chapter 36. They revere. These people, when they heard the word of God, look at chapter 6, verse 16. When they heard what was read by Baruch, written by Baruch, and what was read, we are told in chapter 36, verse 16, when they heard all these words, they looked at each other in fear. That word means in reverence. So in the middle of all the people not revering the word of God, there were still a few people who were reverent to the word of God. But it's also striking that when they first heard it, they had the fear. But then the same people in front of the king, as the king was cutting, their reverence began to wear off. They had nothing to say. The majority of them, the reverence of the word of God have just drifted away. Only three tried to persuade the king to stand up. And and and, and uh, let me ask you a question. When you first came to the Lord and had that piercing in your heart of the word of God, is that a reverence, that a value, that a respect, that a he said, yeah, this is the word of God. Is, this, is, is it still burning in your heart now? Or is it, uh, well, well, these are just the words of uh, Paulos, Abby, Steve, all these preachers who pass here. Or is it the word of God? That's a time. They put it deliberately so that I can stop. No, I'm joking. (laughs) But it's time for me to stop because we have communion. Let me bring this to a close with two things. Number one is what the word of God achieves. And I shall unpack this God willing as we go. Back again to chapter 1, in verse 10, the word of God is given to these people so that it can bring radical transformation to them. And look at the words that are used there in in verse 10. What is used there is, is interesting. See today appoint you over the nation and the kings to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant you know, four negatives, one and two positive. In other words, uh, it's going to be painful, first of all, before it can be better. You know, to uproot the sin in our lives and all the habits and the everything, friends, is painful. But that's the only way it gives us hope, radical transformation. I don't know what the Lord is uh, Consistently telling you uproot. Take that. Make the decision. Allow it to go away. But the other thing. The word of God is given as an offer and a motive for salvation. Look at chapter 36 verses 3 and 7. There is a word that caught my attention there as I was studying this. It says, Perhaps, write this so that they can hear, perhaps they can come back to me. Friends, the word of God is given there so that it can avert us from the disaster that might come. Perhaps. I may be here today You are in a really dangerous path. And God is telling you, choose the ancient path. Perhaps that, and I can tell you, come here. When you come here, you have life. No wonder the psalmist, in the longest Psalm 119, and he It has 176 verses, but 170 of those verses celebrate what the Word of God does in our lives as the source of guidance, hope, strength, correction, purity, and joy. May the Lord help us this season. To find joy in his word and to find it no offense and to heed to his word. Perhaps, perhaps, for all the word of God, in fact, Jeremiah here is compared as the prophet. After Moses, which means again, because God has put his word in his mouth, he's saying, when you hear me, when you hear Jeremiah, you will listen to me. And by the way, all the word of God, the written word, leads us to the living word of Jesus Christ and Christ himself who gave his life for us. But this and the ancient word the holy words that gives us strength and help us to cope may god bless his word